of Steelers next because Steelers lost that much was expected and it was kind of strange after the game that there was a mini tornado of speculation about Mike Tomlin's future which he's now cleared up himself actually while we've been uh, we've been recording this past hour he's uh, he's told the players apparently that he is staying on any other results would have been crazy yeah absolutely I think a lot of Steelers fans are growing frustrated though by the fact of it I saw one one piece today on their last six or seven playoff games since they're one and done time and time again and I suppose Steelers fans are asking when are they going to move to that next level again and when are we going to see them push on from you know, it's all when and good making the playoffs and having these winning record seasons, which everybody kind of alludes to with Mike Tottenham's career. But when is he going to, you know, get over the line again in terms of having a deep playoff run? And I suppose in many ways it's a bit like, you know, you're talking about story franchise, you're talking about the Cowboys. They, they kind of feel the same in many ways. They're making the dance for all three when they get there, they're quickly going home again. And that's how Steelers fans are feeling. And we touched on it prior to the game last night. It was a game that I never really felt they would they would win. I thought the, the extra additional 24 hours would play into the Bills' hands. It was The game was over after the Josh Allen 52-yard touchdown. Well, I know they came back and they got out, but they played like a team that we expect them to be. It was just tough and grinding for their, for their head calls, but ultimately falls short. And Which, you know, as, as we've learned over the weekend, you cannot take for granted when you saw the efforts that the Cowboys and the Eagles put up. True, yeah. Well, that's the nature of a great coach. That he, they'll never give in and they'll continue to play for him. And they got it back to within seven points, but then they allow a, a drive. And I would say there was some kind of questionable Blags on, on, on that particular drive to allow the drive to continue and ultimately the Bills put the game away. I think Tomlin's, I suppose, speculation today obviously was on the back of the press conference where he said he walked out in the press conference and people said, Oh, that's the end of him. I, I looked at it a different way. I think he was more, I'm sick of answering these questions. I'm not going anywhere. And I'll, I'll obviously, I'll talk to it tomorrow. There's no point in discussing it now. The immediate Which, aftermath you know, of a loss. No, no, in the character. I mean, Mike Tomlin is very considered in everything he does. Um, uh, Colin and usually chooses his words very very carefully so he was sending a clear message with that it's just some people unfortunately misinterpreted the message that was intended for them or really was intended to the me- for the media to say this is not even on the on the agenda it's it's not important right now um, yes uh, in some ways like I, I think the divide between and, and Brian has been talking about the divide between the, the Steelers fans and national media um, like it's funny, um, Jared Bailey, who has been on uh, this show a number of times, and this huge Steelers fan, he kind of keeps banging the drum about the the playoffs and not seeing the the offense um, kind of take steps forward. And Matt Verderam, um, who does a podcast with Jared, is on the national side of things, going Steelers fans are absolute lunatics for calling for for this guy to to be gone. The fact that you know he he, he never has a a, a losing uh, season despite um, Duck, uh, Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett. Um, but I suppose one of the interesting things, a couple of things that I would say, the talk was that Mike Tomlin usually never gets into the last year of his contract. Right, he never kind of gets into that lame duck situation. I, I don't know if that's accurate. I heard that discussed, I think it was on The Athletic, um, on their podcast. If that is the case, then it is notable that he is entering the final year. Do the Steelers look to do something about that this offseason? And if they don't, then he will enter into the final year as contract. That's something to watch. Also, what are they going to do at OC? Like, they, I, I think they, I mean, they went basically down the corridor to hire Canada 
And that was the first guy they've actually sacked kind of mid-season. Generally, they let contracts run out and then they move on. But they have to do something at, at quarterback. Like, it cannot be Mason Rudolph or it cannot be Kenny Pickett. Surely, surely um, they have to want to push the boat out a little bit. Does that mean that it's Russell Wilson? Kevin Clark was kind of banging that drum that, you know, you bring Russ in, he's going to be getting them. He's guaranteed the money off Denver. So all you have to pay is vet minimum, right? The Steelers, they're not a team that has a huge amount of cap flexibility because they have a lot of money invested in certain players. But if all you're having to pay Russ is essentially vet, vet, vet minimum because he's getting his money from the Broncos, can you build around? I don't. I don't know if that's you, the answer. You can, you can flirt around the idea, Colm. And you know, last night's game was was an elegant example of the, the to me the fallacy of this idea that you just need a quarterback that's good enough. And I'm revising what I said earlier this season about the Steelers. My case for the Steelers making the playoffs in the first place was everything else is there. You just need above replacement level play from Kenny Pickett, and they could be dangerous. But actually. That's not true. That's the recipe for making the playoffs and going one and done, which is what ultimately happened to him. Because Mason Rudolph was actually fine. Like, he had a shaky enough start. Obviously, it's a bad pick, and that puts him in a, in a very difficult spot, the one in the end zone, when the Bills then drive down the field and score. It was a bit of a backbreaker. But, you know, he made some good throws. He, he did what you would expect of a player of his level. But we had just seen Josh Allen put that ball on what Tony Romo very accurately in the, in the climatic conditions called the frozen rope. Um, to Kincaid, you know, brilliant throw down the middle, showing everything that he has, the arm strength, the vision, the poise, you know, the 52-yard run that he breaks off on third and eight, which you talked about, Brian, which really was the dagger. You know, when your guy does that, you're you're, you're going to win playoff games. Like, as any GM will say, and I remember a lot of them being interviewed when they were talking about Justin Fields and whether he is or isn't the guy, and one of them put it very elegantly, albeit anonymously, we don't know who's a credit for this, when he said, I need a quarterback who can beat you with his arm, who can win us a playoff game when it's on the line. If you don't have that guy, you're not going to win a Super Bowl. And most teams in the league, unfortunately, don't have that guy. And to the point, if you're trying to come through the AFC, you know you've got Joe Burrow in front of you, you've got Patrick Mahomes in front of you, you've got Lamar Jackson in front of you. You're going to have to beat at least one, possibly two of those teams and two of those quarterbacks. So you're going to hope that they all have off days to get you to the, to the Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen. Like That's pure delusion. Unless you have a raft of incredible injuries and you get a Leicester City style season from somebody it doesn't happen you know we, we, we the reason we, we celebrate the Nick Foles and the and the Joe Flacco's and the Jeff Hostetler's is because of how heroically unlikely that is ever to happen um in, in an average year it doesn't happen it very rarely goes right like that and you can't plan around that it's just not a sustainable way to build a franchise I was Going to make a point during the quarterback, but kind of kind of summed up with that a bit. Um, yeah, I was just going to draw a few quarterbacks into the mix. I, I see with with Tomlin's contract and where they're selecting in the draft, and obviously got on Twitter again the, the salary cap constraints that they have. It just strikes me it's a it's a one year operation type model with, with finding the appropriate quarterback. Are you going to throw a, a Tanner in or something like that into the into the mix? And obviously got, got him right with. Surprised you haven't gone with your, your friend Derek Carr. Well, they're wrapped up with him, aren't they? Well, I think we have to come to that because there's a Star goes to Steel Town. What better home? But they're locked into that contract, aren't you? There's, there's a rebel blue. Okay, he's probably fading blue to see him, or maybe not. Haven't seen the news that Carmichael has been released by the Saints. That's a strange one in the sense that it wasn't fifteen years. What's that offense? What's the big eight? But 
went in there with a point to prove, but like maybe he's just not the he's just not the player in which I thought he was. I thought there was a another player there in terms of a reaction to how he how his career finished in in Las Vegas with the Raiders hasn't transpired this season. Maybe a fresh start or a new offense corner could see that, but it, it's a new look. Where are they going to go for for an offensive corner? For me, it has to be some upcoming type of guy that can galvanize an offense like what Ben Johnson's done over the course of the last few years and. Detroit, where do they find that guy? That would be an interesting one to keep an eye on. But where where do you find the guy, Colm, when you don't have, with all due respect to Derek Carr, but you, you don't have the quarterback? Like, none of your real up-and-coming OCs, none of the, the top-tier candidates are going to take that job, unless they're doing it with the Machiavellian idea that would they put in a year, they do the job well, and Dennis Allen gets moved on, and you jump into his spot, like, you know, there, there is there is a case for it there there are only 32 head coaching jobs in the, in the NFL and you put yourself into what position whatever position you can but you still then have to resolve the question of who's under centre and how you're going to get this team with despite all its financial engineering that would make Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers proud um, and it, it's heading for the financial cliff edge on, on, on this one and it, they're, they're not necessarily going to be fun times ahead in, in New Orleans when all that comes home uh, no, but you will get somebody um, that will like. It's not going to be a big name, but I think yeah, the likes you know a tight uh, a tight ends coach, somebody up and coming is going to take that. I think with the view um, that they can do enough to perhaps earn themselves a shot. Like again, Dennis Allen's seat, I think, is going to be hot next year. Like you can't have what happened at the end of the season happen, um, and. The, the Saints, like, I mean, ha, can't, you cannot, if Dennis Allen is remaining, right, which he seems to be, though, you know, um, I, I still, you know, like I said to Brian, if the Giants aren't making a phone call, I don't know how the Saints, like, I know the Caps. Well, especially when you saw what happened last night, like, you effectively had a bye to the divisional round. Yeah. And, and but again, if you got Vrabel in there, are you telling me Vrabel isn't doing more of a job with, with, with the with the talent that is there, but it is it's the law of diminishing returns a little bit, um, and I I just um, I think that you cannot have Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston on the same uh, team next year. That 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 just the Saints need to make a marker there. Brian, let's talk about a team that is still in the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills, who who move on. They they still weren't necessarily convincing, but no. When Josh flexes, he can take control of a game. Still, yeah, I mean, the, the, a lot of people felt this game was going to be a run-oriented game because of the weather, but it wasn't really a factor in terms of throwing the ball. And that was evident by the first, the opening two touchdowns, the two tight ends, and obviously goes off in the fifty-two yard. I just felt after that they got that. I wouldn't say the plays when they thought they just kind of eased off slightly and allowed the Steelers to come back into it. But look, they're it, so we've seen teams. This team are expected to go out and blow teams apart because of the nature of the offense and that's not the team they are in this. They're more rude, they're more kind of gritty, they're they're earning out the, the victories, even at the end when they had the methodical drive at the end when took the ease time off the clock. Years gone past the Bills with a rub team's nose and, and went in and scored a touchdown. That's not where they're at right now. I think they're recognizing the you know, it's the way of going about winning games at the moment. It's not it's just not what we're used to. We've seen this Bills team putting up massive points, but big, big games this weekend and Still, I think there's still Bills fans are still room that 13 seconds piece, and I was wondering if only we ever got the Chiefs at home in Ocean Park. Yeah. They have their wish. They have their wish. 
and this is the game they played for, Colin, but if, if it's a field goal game, one worry I'd have for the Bills, and I know whereof I speak, because uh, I still have the scars from the double doink from Cody Parkey, you don't want to have kicker issues. You don't want to have special teams issues in the playoffs. The Bills have had a lot of funky special teams stuff go on this year, including, and you know, I hate to laugh at someone's misfortune, but I, I did giggle last night when the punter pulled his hamstring and then shakes up to the black kick. Like, it had middle-aged man's five-a-side written all over it, like... We've all been there. Yeah, poor old uh, Sam Martin, who was a cap casualty in, in Denver. And the Broncos have kind of ruined it ever since they, they let him go. Um, but the, the the Bills, I suppose, um, they haven't made a, a, a great deal of sense, right? In that, like, and, and this is where, uh, don't get me wrong, like, I think analytics are really important. I think stats can have a role. But statistically, they're a worse offense than they were prior to changing OC. But they have won more games and they have looked more dangerous. Um, so, and, and it's a little bit, I suppose, uh, that's why I'm kind of intrigued in some ways to see how the Ravens get on, right? Because the the case for Lamar is, oh, Lamar's numbers haven't been good, but the eye test tells you Lamar has been the, the league MVP or was the league MVP because that's a regular season award. So I think it, that that is kind of interesting. But ultimately, to me, Josh Allen is the most fun player in the league. It, it's chaos. Um, like I, I saw somebody yesterday that ju- that I think one of the things was that it was just this random picture of a bonfire. And it was a guy holding a giant spoon saying, I, I have a large spoon. And another guy dressed in a banana suit going, I'm wearing a banana suit. And it just said... Josh Allen, what goes through Josh Allen's mind before he makes the most insane play you've ever seen? And that, that's what it's like. It, none of it makes any sense. He is that's jumping wrong. off a snow drift onto a burning table all day long. Like, he is the perfect man for Bill's Mafia. He is. He's, he, he is the personification of Bill's Mafia. He is magic to watch. And um, given the seasons that they have both uh, had it, it's great that we are getting to see Patrick Holmes versus Josh Allen in the playoffs. Brian, let's stay with the QB talk because another thing that came up today was Tua Tungavailoa's contract. The Dolphins yeah. uh, general manager Chris Greer saying they want him in Miami for the long term. Now that's exactly what uh, and Colin, I'm channeling you here. That's exactly what a general manager would say, of course, and that doesn't mean anything because you want to preserve his trade value, even if you plan on moving off from him. Uh, are moving on from him. That that's exactly what you're going to say. Um, but you know, since we have the privilege of doing so, let, let's speculate. What should they do? Should they move on from him, or should they should they look to do that deal? You don't want to base it all on one game, but it wasn't encouraging what we saw in Kansas City. Should they move on from him? That's, that's I say no because I don't know where. Who would want to pick up that four-year contract in which he signed last year? Or where does he go? And what would the Dolphins have to do thereafter? The only way I see a scenario where he would go, and we are speculating, I suppose we are, we are in the off-season, essentially for teams that are now over, would be that a scenario where someone in the top 10 was happy to move out of the top 10 and have two as their quarterback going forward, and allowing the Dolphins to move up into the top 10 and therefore be in a position because as much as we always talk about one, two, three in terms of quarterback in the draft, the reality is there's always five or six. Lamar was the 32nd pick in the draft. So, you know, okay, there's been, you know, exceptions. Mac Jones went 15. He hasn't, he hasn't returned us. But if you're in the top 10, 
you've got a you know you've got an, a proper chance of getting some Justin Fields. Yeah, he has the feel of a guy that Mike McDaniel could have a lot of fun with. So probably as well as they're all looking at the CJ Stroud model. Yeah. It says, well, let's bear in mind that the number one in that draft, Bryce Young, let's look at that model and how that doesn't work necessarily when you go into a team. The Dolphins would be taking a big chance on a quarterback, no matter who it was, with the players around, such as Waddle, such as Hill, the element taker coming to the latter stage of his career. I think I understand what the GM's saying in terms of we're running it back with two because there isn't really nothing else. And what else is he going to say? In the week after they lose a difficult game, it's obviously come from the, the end of the season press conference. It's an immediate question. Where are we on Tua? He didn't perform last Saturday. They're going to look at it over the course of the season. Obviously, Tua, over the course of the season, his production was good enough to justify him being there next season. Whether people agree with that, that's another thing. I think Dolphins fans are probably even split on that. I think he's he's deserving of another year, but I think the rope next season will be tin. But, but Colin, what, what are we saying? Of course, I'm not going to move on from two. Mike McDaniel is the ultimate Kyle Shanahan disciple. So he's determined to win with the worst quarterback he possibly can have. And just to prove that it's not all about the quarterback, that it's the it's the QB proved system. So why wouldn't you want Tua in there? He's certainly a lot better than the worst quarterback you could have. And um, if you can win with Mr. Irrelevant, you can win with Tua. Yeah. Uh. Well, we, we, we're about to see, I suppose, next week and over the next couple of weeks how Brock Purdy is going to do in the, the playoffs. And we've seen Brock have a couple of wobbles against better defences, particularly against, obviously, that Ravens defence. Um, so we're going to see. But I think I think it, Mike McDaniel is maybe, in some ways, the best schemer. But Kyle Shannon is ultimately a better offensive coach. He calls better game, has a better feel for it. I, I think he, we have more examples of it. But Kyle has definitely, over the past uh, few, couple of years now... Uh, Mike, McDaniel's Mike, clock management is brutal as well. The Dolphins just torched so much time at the weekend. and I don't think they were ever going to win that game. But like sometimes he really gets exposed. Yeah, I, I do think they could still be playing, um, and and it wouldn't really matter. But we have I I've seen like Kyle Shannon over the past couple of years go in and 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 borrow from um, Mike McDaniel, right? I mean, it's copycat league. It's it's all about magpies. But I I don't know where they can go from Tua. But ultimately, and Dolphins fans will hate this, but I don't think Tua can take you over the top. You go back to it. I keep going back to it. They were seven of eleven behind the line of scrimmage seven of them behind the, the line of scrimmage like he couldn't even hit his guy behind the line of scrimmage and they, they got 18 yards out of it so I think they're tied into it for the fifth year option I think ultimately um, you know they may end up franchising him at the end of that but I think to uh, maybe you can get someone maybe you can package a deal to to go up but again like you know uh, you, you'd really want to have conviction in that I mean, in, in this draft, you're, you're talking pick plus a player and you're not going to be getting away with getting rid of, you know, a Jeff Wilson or someone who's down there. You're like, they're going to want, you're going to want somebody big out of that, uh, out of that selection if you're doing a go fish. You know, uh, you will, but uh, it's just difficult, right? Because they are in a situation where their players are getting older and they, they do need to win now. That window is, is there for them. This was supposed to be injuries take their toll, but and and people will say they'll come back, but Bradley Chubb has had injuries the whole time. Can you rely on Trout Ar Armstead? Like, how long can Tyreek Hill continue to be a as quick a as he is? Um, I I think 
when you're dealing with that level of pace as well, you do tend to get those twitch injuries, the hamstring injuries that we've seen. Yeah, they had some really unlucky injuries, perhaps on defense. Um, but look at the way in which Jordan Love plays. Look at the way that Stroud plays. Look at the way um, that Josh Allen plays. You can't play that way with Tua, right? You can't play that way in the passing game. And you can't play that way on the ground. Like, think about the way in which, like, Mahomes doesn't tend to take that much contact. We saw it the other night, right? He was willing to drop the the head. But he, he, you can do more with Mahomes. And the Kansas City Chiefs protect Mahomes, right? Ever since that knee injury, they don't do the kind of tush-push stuff. But Mahomes is still prepared to run. Lamar runs. Uh, Josh Allen more than runs. But it, they, the Dolphins can't do that with Tua, A, his size, B, his uh, medical history. We, I, I never want to see Tua get another concussion. Like some of the stuff last year was horrific. I mean, it was understandable that he considered, you know, his future in the game. But ultimately, it limits them. It puts an enormous ceiling on them. I don't know how there's a way around that this year, but I don't think Tua is the guy that can get them over the hump, unfortunately. Brian, one final story, and it is an interesting one that emerged today. The Welsh winger, uh, Welsh rugby winger, ra- rather, I should say, Louis Rees Amos, um, going to try his luck in the NFL under the NFL's International Player Pathway Program. I mean, one of the more the more high-profile players we've seen from another code uh, opts to try that path. Um, and it is an interesting one because it just goes to show you that, you know, talk about the, the grass being greener on the other side, but Reese Ahmed is on 225 grand sterling. That's about $284,000 at today's exchange rate. We still don't know exactly what he's targeting in, in the NFL. And obviously there's a long way between saying I'm interested in it and ever uh, appearing in uniform or taking a meaningful snap. But, you know, you look at the comparison. If let's talk about position groups here that are likely, let's say punter, one and a half million dollars average salary for a starting punter, kicker, $2.2 million dollars. Um, I don't know whether, you know, you, you see Reece Samet as a skill position player, but it's interesting that someone who's an established star in rugby would consider the NFL. And because of the rewards on offer, he's not going to be the the only one. The International Player Pathway Program, something that the NFL is a big fan of because it's a great, from a marketing perspective, helps grow the game in new markets. It helps bring fans from other sports and, and open up the, uh, the the viewing to to new audiences. And um, it, I'm sure a lot of people will be looking for him to succeed. Probably Warren Gatlin won't be one of them because he was a little bit annoyed that he was about to name his team and then found out an hour later or an hour beforehand that uh, one of his star wingers is not going to be available. Yeah, I think and this is down to the, the player path. But obviously, you're right, a skilled player like this and a player, but I suppose with a high profile to make this decision. But I think five or six years ago, this opportunity doesn't doesn't come about. I think the pathway, we've had Scott Peody on former GM in the league and he's actively and heavily involved in the player program and I think the league have done so much to give these these opportunities not just these guys but lesser players but they, like this we've seen in the past our rugby players would suggest they could go to the NFL and they could be kickers but it's a very different you know they get over there and they quickly realise the magnitude of what's involved is very different to being you know a, a kicker in rugby or whatever particular position in which they play but this program has given everybody the opportunity and it is an interesting move. It comes at a strange time as well. Like as you said, just so close to certain things in the rugby calendar and schedule being announced to firm to make this decision now. And I suppose he's trying to give himself the best opportunity over the course of the off season to put himself in a position to potentially get a camp opportunity, whether it's voluntary camp or training camp come July. But I think, yeah, it's a it's a interesting piece of news here. 
it's, I don't think it's really washed its face in the stage yet. I'd be interested to see what the, the reaction is over there when it, when it does finally kind of hit their airwaves. And it probably won't, Colin, unless and until he does something that makes it yeah, worthy of attention stateside, right? Because, and if that happens, it's a win-win both for him and the NFL. Great for him, obviously, um, as as a player, but it'll also do wonders for the NFL in Wales. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, like, if it happens, um, but the, there is an awfully long way to, to go. Look, he's a top athlete, but he's going up against other top athletes. I mean, I think one of the things that's even interesting is... Um, and, and we could have talked about this a little bit earlier, but it, it's relevant here too. Think about the Eagles' defense, right? Think about all the Georgia, right, defense who were absolute standout in college, right? Um, and who have not looked the same at all in the NFL. Now, again, maybe a change of, of, of uh, coordinator, change of head coach, and, and they'll begin to develop. But those guys looked sensational at the college level, right? They're top 1% athletes and they're struggling to, to make the transition. I'm not saying it can't happen. Of course it can't. But it's funny when you, like when guys from outside tend to make it. Like you think about the 49ers and um, the the punter. Um, and when the there was the, the fake punt, well, which he kind of called himself a couple of weeks ago, and all the players, uh, they're not even, oh yeah, the Australian. Oh, I saw the Australian, no doubt. It's like, do you guys know his name or is he just the Australian uh, to, to that? Uh, now, I, I, I will say we uh, we heard uh, Matt LaFleur uh, call out Dad Whelan's name um, when he was given the victory oh, speech. Brandon Aubrey was one of the stars of the season for the, for the Cowboys before it all fell flat. A guy who turned to the NFL is very late uh, soccer player at Notre Dame. Yeah, no, I mean that that's what what can be interesting. These these stories happen. And hey, Kurt, Kurt Warner um will kind of forever be uh one of the stories that people will look at. So things can happen and sometimes you kind of have to take um a little bit of a different path. Um I think he's probably going over now to maximize it. I wonder if he ends up potentially playing in one of the developmental leagues initially. Um uh that that I think that could be uh, a possibility that that might happen but i think it shows again the way in which the game is growing and the fact that it is such a behemoth stateside and it has the resources um just to to put its tentacles everywhere well we wish him well and you know if he wants to learn a little bit more about the game he could do worse than take a trip over to dublin to our live show with peter king on the 28th of march and uh no, we're, we're, we're happy to, to welcome him in, into the fold. You can get tickets for that still available across our social channels. If you want to check out the link, uh, we'd love to have you there. Plenty more content from us coming between now and then, though not least our game picks coming up later this week as we turn our attention towards the divisional round.